Hi everybody, welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. Today we'll be talking about larval fish, the critical period, and the point of no return. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. Matt, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I am excited and nervous and mostly excited. I suppose we should uh, introduce ourselves, huh? Yeah, go ahead, man. Okay. okay. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. So, you know, in this podcast, we're still trying to figure out what exactly it's going to be like, but it's going to be stories and educational-based um, materials in regards to aquatic ecology, water quality, you know, fisheries, and basically anything related to freshwater is what we're looking for. I'm Riley Bewley, and I'm a co-host, and my other co-host is Matt Gladfelter. Hi, Matt. Hey, Riley. <laughs> I think we're going to start out um, with giving each other a little background, where we've been, what we've been doing, and I'm going to let Matt go first. So, Matt, yeah. take it away. So, hey, everyone. So, like Riley said, my name is Matt Gladfelter. Um, so, currently, I'm a PhD student. Um, if you want to kind of go backwards in time, I got my master's in aquatic sciences and fisheries uh, from Auburn University. Uh, back in 2021, so just last year. Uh, going back a little bit further than that, uh, I got my bachelor's in biological sciences from Rowan University in South Jersey. I'm a Jersey boy. Um, Jersey so, boy. Yeah, that's right, Jersey boy. So I mean, as far as like what my expertise are, I would just say, you know, our lab focused, at least my master's for sure, a lot on algae blooms, and I was looking a lot at uh, nutrient cycling and things like that. So hopefully that's where I can really contribute here for you guys. Yeah, great. A little bit about me. Um, again, Riley Bewley. So uh, I currently work with tribal water quality programs. Um, I've worked in both in Iowa and now in Wisconsin with um, a variety of different tribes. And before that, actually, Matt and I met in Auburn. So I got my, my doctorate there and research similar to Matt's. We were in the same lab, but um, harmful algal blooms aquaculture um a lot of different other projects but all related around freshwater um ecosystems and trying to make them better uh control eutrophication and all all that fun stuff that we'll we'll for sure cover in upcoming uh episodes before that i got my master's in undergrad at university of wisconsin lacrosse um really enjoyed <laughs> the area and i'm from the midwest originally and um yeah i'm happy to be back was in alabama for a little bit now now we're back in the midwest so yeah working on stuff around here matt's down south so that's right yeah. still down south Ooh, still down south you enjoying it i i do enjoy it i miss seasons that's the biggest thing i miss about jersey i miss seasons crazy. so yeah. i am located pretty far up now and um it might be a pretty harsh winter and um, mm. we'll we'll see how that one works, but yeah, it's so I went from no seasons to seasons, but <laughs> all the seasons, yeah. all the aggressive seasons. I don't know. So Matt and I we became friends, and yeah, in the lab we were working with it, and um, oh, we had projects where we were <laughs> we were working in ponds up to our chests with venomous snakes going around mm. us, and. Super hot. Remember those hot days? Oh my gosh! I'm surprised nobody got like a hot. Heat a stroke. hot day is one thing. It's another thing when you're when you have uh, it's a hot day and you have chest waders on, yeah. and you just you're just swimming in your own sweat. That just that just really really makes yeah. you think about how much you love what you're doing. Take out the the waders and all the water goes out. But yeah, you don't know where the yeah. water starts and the sweat ends, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It was fun though, right? Like, oh, it was a great times. time. I mean, Riley was the one that tricked me into getting my PhD, so I'm already two years into it. So no going yeah. back now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it, man. Like we yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> but all right, everyone. So as far as the format here of this podcast, Riley already gave you 
a quick summary as far as hopefully we could tell you some interesting stories, give you some good advice, different things like that as far as resource managers or just the everyday person trying to learn a thing or two about aquatic systems. Um, but how we want to run things is probably a little different. Riley and I are going to switch off every week as far as who's in charge and who's telling the story or, or trying to capture our attention today. So Riley's in charge today. So Riley, why don't you go ahead and, and intro your, your piece you have for us here? Yeah. We'll be talking about early life stages of fish, so hopefully people are into that, but you better they don't make... have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe tune in next week if you want something different, but um, <laughs> so let's set the stage here. So when we think of like fish, you know, newly hatched from an egg, it's it's no denying that like the early, early life stages of, of larval fish, it's wildly difficult. Okay. So you have just a whole litany of things you got to be worried about as a larval fish picture picture yourself as a larval fish you know basically head <laughs> eyeballs little, little tail um basically microscopic but you know you're dealing with predators disease looking for food and just trying to to grow um in that situation and it's really no wonder that like freshwater fish they produce so many eggs because there's through through generations they know that you know it's it's the way to success in regards to fish is that most fish young larval fish they're not going to make it to adulthood so um it's just a numbers game in that situation and one article that i found said that freshwater fish have the highest mortality rate of any vertebrate animals um wow which hmm. right it could be true i'm thinking of like um, the, i think the biggest thing that comes to mind is sea turtles so they talk about like sea turtles it's like 99 percent or something close to that yeah but yeah, that's crazy. I mean, of, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me though. I mean, you think of the number of eggs that a a fish puts out versus, I mean, granted, a sea turtle puts out forty to fifty, um, but yeah, fish can put out hundreds. And you think about how many of them survive. And you think about like salmon, for example, that it's just one shot. Oh yeah, the stream, boom, yep. gone. You have <laughs> drought or something like you. You really, yeah. I'll talk about eggs and all in one basket, but. Um, so in regards to larval fish, though, and, and, and this really extreme mortality rate, there's there's some aspects in fisheries and hatcheries management. So hatchery is where fish are raised and born, sometimes for like economic profit. But research, there's been a lot of research that looks into, you know, how, why, first off, do so many fish die on the stage and how, how can we make it less so in some of those um, situations? And, you know, what they find, it's... You know, some people devote their whole lives to, to this specific life stage, and it's it's really fascinating what they find. At least I think it's fascinating. Hopefully, the listener or viewer, if you're looking at this on YouTube, um, I'm going to try to convince you why 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 this is so fascinating. <laughs> um, so yeah, going into this research is what we're going to talk about a little bit today, and there's two things I'm going to talk about. So putting aside external factors for the larval fish again, think of yourself as a larval fish, Nemo, basically. Um, or Nemo's son, but okay. Take away predators, disease, and those other factors. And some of this research is just focused on the specific life stage when none of those other things are at play. And and you know what 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 makes a fish live? What makes a fish die? And oh, there's there's um one individual I should have wrote his name down, um, but I will next time. We're we're still we learning on how we're going to do this podcast. <laughs> we'll do better for the for the I listener know. and for the so viewers so as like, far as who, studying Riley? our sources. Who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> but so, when you think of larval fish, and think of like it's what's known as mortality, right? You know how many fish are dying at certain given ages. But this one researcher is saying that there's a, a period in a, a fish's life stage where um, most of the fish's mortality throughout its whole life can be attributed to like days or hours within this certain period. And it's called the critical period. So um, for a lot of larval fish, it's like, um, you know, a couple hours to seven days is what I've been looking at. And this is again, so this is a system, essentially just an aquarium. So no predators, you don't need to worry about any outside sources really yep. affecting their mortality, except I guess how much food they're, they're trying to access. Wow. And this is um critical period. There's this window of time. And what's so like interesting about this point is where um, larval fish, when they hatch, they have an egg yolk in most cases. And this critical period is the point where the larval fish's egg reserves, 
that yoke reserves excuse me is it's gone and they need to switch to external feeding so they're going from endogenous internal feeding to exogenous feeding and they're looking for food sources like algae zooplankton um, other you know detritus for example but um, this this critical period is you know the point where they don't have any internal energy reserves and they need to go find some and this point of finding some can be quite difficult from what the researchers are finding and it's it's really interesting and what's even more interesting is the second topic which we'll be talking about today and that is what's known as the point of no return so critical period think of it as a couple days a couple hours to to maybe two seven days to a week and this point of no return is actually that single instance where a fish it's off its yolk reserves and it needs to find prey and there's a point where it doesn't have enough energy reserves to keep on going on. And it's just really this catch 22 type of situation where it doesn't have energy to find food, but it needs food for energy to live. And once you pass the point of no return, um, mortality is unfortunately eminent. And yeah, pretty interesting, right? Like yeah. it's so visceral, <laughs> this just point, like just this point and I mean, humans are so out of the food chain, right? Like, <laughs> think about if you had to go, like, <laughs> like as a baby, you got to be like, hey, like, you're a couple hours old, but you need to figure this out. Otherwise, donezo. I have to say, it's like, so just, crazy. like, abrupt, too. It's mm -hmm. so, like, well, sink or swim, wolfish. Better figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're going to talk about um, some of the ways that some fish try to circumvent this issue, um, navigate around it. But a lot of cases, yeah, it's it's this point, and... Um, for some reason, I just find it so interesting that this is it. Um, so yeah, okay. So I am going to hopefully to hammer this home a little bit more. I'll give a couple examples. So we'll start with the the critical period. So <laughs> the best example I could think of is say you're new to the game of basketball. Okay, minute okay. left on the clock. Coach calls you in. Matt, it's taking me back to like freshman year of high Boomer. school. <laughs> mm -hmm. but the issue is is you're new to the game you have no idea what's going on um you got to score some baskets within a minute um against players who are who know the game okay they're, they're more experienced um so in this case it would be other fish but yeah you got to learn the game score some baskets if you don't win you die okay so you're essentially um, saying like hey matt you better go score a basket against the i don't know the Los Angeles Lakers, or you're not eating tonight. And it's like, hey, I know you're um, new to this life, but <laughs> you gotta do this right now. Otherwise, you got a couple, you got a, you got a few tries. You got a minute, but you gotta figure it out. Otherwise, you're done. <laughs> so, um, pretty extreme example, right? Pretty silly, but it's really akin to what these fish have to do. And something I really want to hammer home too is that. Um, these larval fish, you know, they're, they're small, right? They don't have a lot of energy reserves. So it's razor thin margins. You got a few attempts and you're donezo. Um, yeah, man. What do you think about that? Uh, Crazy. Uh, it's just so, <laughs> it's so like unlike nature, but also so very much like nature where it's just one of those things where nature always have these, these mechanisms built in to just ensure survival, like almost guarantee survival to a certain extent. But there's also these points where it's just like, well, this is as far as I can take you. You got to figure it out, little yep. one. And this is one of those instances where it's like, well, if you can't figure out how to eat, you're not going to make it very far anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> so I do want to, before going on, point out that not all researchers consider this critical period as like the period that's going to, to dictate survivorship um, oh, throughout okay. their lives. Little, okay. So okay. it's, it's, it's still, I guess, a hypothesis, a theory. Yeah. But um, the, yeah. So, if you think of like eggs being hatched, those larval fish, they go through their, their lifespan. And it's, I guess, I believe I'm terming this right, a cohort, right? Mm -hmm. Where, yeah. so your, your mortality rate is usually associated with their cohort. So um, how many fish are alive at age three, age four, age five? And this cohort going through there, I mean, on one hand, yeah. So this, this tiny window of time, it's, it's just a tiny window of time. There's could be 10, 20 years, for example. So on one side, I get some research that they're like, this isn't like, it's important, but like, come on, like, you're not going to dictate. And on, on the other hand, though, like some researchers like this, this is it. And there, there's, there's mm. research for both sides, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to yeah. get off on a tangent, but it almost reminds me. So there are some instances, I think oh, in fish tangent. and a lot, 
a lot sorry a lot of we need like a tangent jar put a dollar in the tangent oh, jar. No, i said go for it um, please go oh, for okay. tangent. <laughs> uh, i know this is a thing in some terrestrial vertebrates uh for sure where depending on the i think it's like the food availability of the mother it's so like the year before essentially so while the mother is still um like with essentially pregnant right how well she eats will essentially dictate how uh fit their her her offspring are. so it doesn't really matter how much the offspring eats or how it grows up it's just kind of predetermined once it once it hits the ground that's also hotly contested i should i should clarify that's kind of what it reminds me of it's like yeah. once you kind of get out there it's like well mm, i keep sink or swim like kind of thing the english term of an attractive person fit how, <laughs> how fit is that in <laughs> oh no the pg mad yeah there's but, the there's that tangent that's <laughs> yeah, a tangent jar um <laughs> okay okay back on track so that was critical period example let's give another example of point of no return and again when thinking about this the best example that i could give is um actually in my doctorate doctoral degree i took a hatchery management class and we for one of our labs we we got i guess trout rainbow trout eggs and it's kind of interesting like they there's a facility that you know fertilizes those eggs and then they ship them off to different places and some use them as rainbow trout as, as feed for other fish like forage fish mm. but you can yeah you can get a box of fertilized eggs and you put them in a um, what's known as like a raceway with um, flowing water and they they hatch and they do their thing and yeah you, they have these super big yolk sacs but over time the yolk sacs absorb and they're ready to go and for one of our labs we actually looked at this point in no return it was it was more so just critical period overall and we measured strike success or success at kind of first feeding or what we thought was first feeding and um, yeah I it was really a good actually illustration just actually like watching we put i guess we, we so we took some larval trout okay like individually put them in like a little tray and we gave them a zooplankton i don't remember what zooplankton but we we measured them going after like um you know perceiving where the prey is and orient themselves towards the prey and they're at that point they're basically just I have it written down. They're they're basically large eyeballs and mouths. <laughs> and, like honestly, like it's crazy, crazy, and they grow up so fast. Hmm. Oh, but <laughs> just, just yesterday you were you were trying to figure out if they could eat. But like honestly, it's like <laughs> it could be like forty eight hours, and like the fish is like, there you go. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's absurd. Like, and it, you, you are don't, a young adult now. <laughs> you're just going off your instinct. You're like, I don't know what yep. that is, but I know I want to eat it, yeah. and I got to figure out how to get it into my mouth. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they orient themselves, they catapult, and we were measuring striking distance. At least this is what I remember. So it's been <laughs> a few years. Um, but really, like, with this lab, it, it's it's really, it was a good point of showing, like, yeah, larval fish, they're, they're not the best hunters right away, right? So they kind of orient themselves, like I said, open their mouths and boom, like, shoot themselves, like, literally catapult themselves, <laughs> like, in a split second across, like, the little tray and... Sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. It's they're learning, right? So it's, they're not, again, hours, tens of hours old, and yeah, so very limited success. And so on one side, yeah, it's surprising how bad they are. But then also on the other side, it's it's pretty interesting to think about, you know, each each one of those strikes or miss strikes, it's it's loss of energy, and there's you only get tens tens of times, and then you're. Mm you're you're donezo right yeah and uh so interesting to think about but yeah so you're you have to do good or you don't and um yeah. so that's that's my example of point of no return but um there are there's there is excuse me research showing how some 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 species kind of help help their their young along so through the time you know that um, selective breeding or genetics, you know, they, they try to give their, their young out on the, the right foot. And one of those examples or the research that I saw when, when looking into this topic was zebrafish. So what they saw was some zebrafish have what's known as a training period where larval fish will do, excuse me, the, the, the young will do better if they're, they're put in the environment with their prey, their future prey before they actually need to to go after it so they're on their yolk sac and they're 
they're they're just interacting you know no hmm. no harm no foul there's what's up like oh how are you moving you know type of thing okay. and um yeah so in one of the studies they did they first off found out what when was this point of no return for zebrafish um and it's about seven to eight day range okay and they found that if researchers gave those those young prey items about three to five days um, into the experiment, so you still got a couple days before that opponent will return, they did in comparison to the larval fish that didn't get any prey, they did quite well, um, significantly better than those that were not given, you know, the the, the prey until you know the time of. Hmm. So it's it's a, get this learning period, right? Yeah. And then <laughs> I have also written down that. I just want to emphasize that other larval fish don't get this training period in there. It's it's only one shot at surviving. And I have wow. in parentheses QMNM eight mile theme track. Um, but yeah, so that was one. But okay, so there's also another example I can give before going on too. And some you know selective genetics um, has has shown that larger larvae, larger young, have a kind of a better chance at surviving. Um, you're bigger, you got more moving power. Um, yeah, so some some do that as well, but there's actually this trade-off like we talked about that. Yeah, you might produce larger young. You, I'm assuming larger eggs means larger or less, less number of eggs, so you're reducing your number. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the study if they said that or not. Don't quote me. Um, but also that individual larger fish larvae is going to have to eat more larger body mass okay uh yeah right? you know, I, you know that, what I'm saying? it's one of these things where it's like oh if they're bigger they're gonna do better but you're yeah. oh yeah like intuitively they're gonna need to eat more huh yeah so they gotta they they have to be more active bigger people hmm. you know more more calories right and yeah. um think of like think of like a bodybuilder right you gotta consume more calories to maintain that weight otherwise you're you're not gonna have that physique and that's the same for for larger fish so even if these predispositions to give your your young a little bit of a on the on the right path, you know, a foot ahead, it's still still they still have to go through this critical period in some way, shape, or form. Um, it's still going to be difficult, and some get a, a step ahead and some don't, but you still got to go through it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm still hung up on the whole training period thing for fish. I feel like that's something that. I, I I certainly don't think of. I don't know if, if anyone else does, but I feel like that's something you see in, you know, we like to, I don't know, I feel like just people in general, we kind of, we think very highly of, of terrestrial vertebrates, right? Like higher order, you think of like, oh, a cheetah's mom will like wound a gazelle and let the cubs try to like take it out kind of thing. And like, you know, orangutans or, or whatever, they'll go forage while the mom's watching. But you don't think of fish like train having this kind of training period having that intelligence i don't think we we place that kind of that kind of thing on fish which yeah, is I interesting agree. yeah i'm you know i'm thinking like dolphins right don't they like play with their food quote-unquote played and, and train? yeah, yeah like with that's their right young, yeah but, um in regards to i mean it makes sense with fish like you think of an environment filled with lots of creepy crawlies and stuff mm -hmm. and um They'll be on their yolk sac, so not in a hatchery where it's kind of this um, distilled, not the word, that's not the, not the right word, like sterilized, sterilized environment where there's nothing going on except for what the person wants there to be to go mm -hmm. on. But um, yeah, like in a lake, for example, shallow part of the lake um, in the weed line or something like yeah, there's a lot going on. So I guess they would be in interacting before they, the couple days before they need to. So interesting still though, like, yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. Hmm. Training. I guess. I guess as a kid, baby, human babies. I mean, <laughs> playtime. Well, I mean, is, is is training, right? Yeah. I mean, like they're practicing. You know, their mom will sit there as they're trying to figure out where their mouth yeah. is with like a spoon or something, right? As silly as that sounds, but you know, it's kind of yeah. like, I guess our modern day equivalent. Mm -hmm. You know, if you just gave yeah. a sat like a a couple month old baby in a room with a spoon and some bowl of baby food, you know, would they be able to figure it out? <laughs> What's yeah. the point of no return for an infant? <laughs> <laughs> okay so we talked about critical period gave some examples we talked about point of no return and um next 
section I want to talk about was why why is this useful? So fun fun little two topics, but you know actually in the real world, what real aquatic world at least you know how is this actually used and, and why is it important? So I thought of this for a little bit, and a couple examples came to mind. I'm going to split it up. Why is this important for lake managers and then hatchery managers? So people dealing with aquatic ecosystems, not necessarily just lake managers, you know, um, pond management, and which is just a small lake, but, uh, <laughs> and then for, for hatchery managers. So starting with lake managers, um, yeah. So knowing your success rate for larval fish for sure is, is huge. So especially if you're say a fisheries manager for a certain area and you're looking at the lakes that you have to serve and, you know, you think about stocking rate, you, you need to, not need to, but you really want to have a idea of, you know, what's what's surviving, what's dying. And there's some things that can really influence that. So when we think about this point of no return, critical period, as we talked about, you know, this is going to happen for larval fish. One way or the other, you know, you might be um, endowed with some gifts, but you still have to go through it. And there are some things that you can, as a, a lake manager, to to help your larval fish um, so usually for freshwater systems, you know, spawning is going to be happening in, in the early spring, um, depending on where you are in the world. It could be different times, I guess, but I'm thinking about North America right now, but things you can do to help this critical period of time. So you can't avoid it, but you can, you can, you can help it. So first one I thought about was not enough prey items for your larval fish. So if you're thinking about a spawn early spring, again, for example, um, as a lake manager, you can you can really bolster up that that bottom part of your your food web, um, otherwise known as like a trophic structure. Those, those basic parts are phytoplankton, for example. Zooplankton would be the next level up, so primary um, producers, primary consumers. Um, in most situations, that's what those larval fish are going to go after, and you know this time is coming. And as a lake manager, you can, for example, fertilize your pond. Uh, you get some sunlight going in there. Those you know, um, algae, cyanobacteria, and other things are going to be, um, you know, really going <laughs> with those nutrients. Is <laughs> it's kind of what Matt and I studied for for some portions of our lives, at least. But then yeah. uh, those larval fish are going to be going to be feeding off that. Yeah. So I th I have a couple questions and also yeah. like Can some I things to bring that? up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're a lake manager and you're wondering, should I fertilize my system? I mean, this can be a whole other podcast. Um, but if you're not sure, reach out to somebody. Um, there's probably an extension office related to some university near you. Um, because adding a ton of nutrients to your system can cause a bloom if you don't know what you're doing. Um, yeah. And causing a bloom is, as Riley and I are well aware, um, definitely not a good thing. And it can throw your system so out of whack. Um, so, and then the my, my question would be, I guess to you, Riley, how would they know if there's a lot of food available for their larval fish? Is there a way to check for that? Question. Yeah. So you can do a few different things. So looking at that lower level, I mean, so taking a step back, know, know your fish, I would say is the best yeah. one. So, right. So <laughs> know what they're going to eat. Know what you're going to eat. <laughs> so some, some larval fish, um, I'm sure there's gonna be somebody out there be like, well, they don't eat that all the time, sir. And uh, make up a fish. It's just there's <laughs> exceptions to the rule. But um, <laughs> so yeah, knowing what to eat. So for example, um, if you have a bass and they're they're gonna be zooplanktivores or feeding on zooplankton, you know what? Focus your attention at bolstering up that zooplankton um, group. So you can do zooplankton toes, which looks like a a parachute with a hmm, how do you even describe it? a parachute with a little, a little adapter at the bottom that that sieves out all the water and you can it, it sieves out everything but the zooplankton or other phytoplankton for example um you could look at so other fish will be eating things like algae or the eucalinas and a, a whole litany of other things um we have one of our friends that that spends the, her whole life um looking at that portion and loves it and She's very talk, good at it. Yeah, right. I could talk for months about it. But um, yeah, so if you're in that portion, you can, you know, do a similar type of sampling with a toe net, for example, or you could just do basic measurements like 
chlorophyll, which is a, a pigment found in a lot of those uh, primary producers, uh, that algae, for example. And you can kind of get an estimate with that how much, how much productivity, for lack of a better word, how productive, how what's going on in that lower portion of your your lake, and you can you can get a good idea. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other ways off the top of my head. What do you think? Yeah, Matt? Did I miss anything? I don't think so. I guess, you know, I, I think it's good to kind of break some habits of our, or some thoughts that our, our listeners may be having. Um, so Oh, I yeah. think, so I think the common or what a lot of people may think is that, oh, if all my larval fish are dying, I just need to keep adding more larval fish. Um, which is something that you can see a lot of. And definitely when people get, this happens a lot if you're managing a bass pond and you're thinking, oh, I don't have any big bass. So I just need to add more bass and eventually they'll get bigger. And that's what's called bass crowding. So essentially you're just getting rid of all the food for that fish. So the reason, it, it may be good to think of the reason why your, your fish are dying. Um, and that's part of just knowing your system. At the end of the day, Um, I think it's important to know your system, do your homework before you, uh, you try to do anything. And that's when it comes down to contacting an extension specialist. They are, that's their job. They are very good at it too. Yep. Yep. And that's, um, so the next one I had was competition. So, Yep. There um, you go. <laughs> there we go. So competition with larval fish, it can be a number of different things. So if, again, what Matt said, if you have a pond that's, that's too many fish in there, you think it's going to produce some trophy bass, for example, because you have so many fish here, that's not necessarily what's going to happen. Um, case in point, when we talk about the critical period here, too many of those fish going through that little window, um, they're going to be competing for the same thing. So if you think of you, you throw down a couple hundred bass into a pond, for example, multi-acre pond, um, they all spawn at the same time. They release all these eggs and um, those hatch. And then these, 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 they wean off their yolk sack and then they're ready to, to start feeding. And you could have many mouths to feed for not a lot of, not a lot of, not a lot of prey, unfortunately. So that's so competition can be with in that example, within a single species of bass, but also a lot of freshwater species, especially in North America, they kind of spawn at the same time. Um, sunfish, for example, bluegill, they can, they can, or bream, wherever you're at in the, especially in, um, <laughs> in the United States, there's many different names for them, but they can spawn multiple times. And if you're thinking about sunfish versus bass, you know, they might eat very different things when they're adult, but when they're young they they feed on similar things and if you have a lot of spawning crappies for example as well um, going on at the same time yeah that can really reduce in your whole lake whole pond who's going to survive and that can be yeah especially as a resource manager um really really a bad thing and that's going to make people you might not see it too so that's the other thing so you might think oh the pond's doing great through all these fish in there but yeah down the line couple of years you're going to notice um that It's not, not exactly what you thought was going to happen. Yeah, I think that's what, probably one of the hardest things about managing an aquatic system is you just you can't see what's going on between. I mean, obviously you can eventually figure it out if you have all the tools to measure stuff, right? So if you're talking about, oh, should I fertilize my pond and stuff like that, you have to measure all that stuff. And you, you can't just go out and see like, oh, if you're managing a forest, be like, oh yeah, there's grass, there's 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 some foraging material out there. Uh, it's just it just makes everything so much more difficult for sure. It, you just can't see what's going on below the surface. Yep. And then the last one here for lake managers that I had was predation. So um, knowing how many predators are in your pond that are going to feed in these larval fish, it, it, that could be huge as well, especially if your lake has not enough prey species to begin with. So they talk about it, for example, it's called feeding down the food web. You know, they're going to try to go after that packet of nutrient. That's good. But, you know, and it, larger fish that shouldn't be necessarily feeding on these larval prey, um, They'll, they'll go after it if it, they, they need to. Then also to like um, aquatic insects, macroinvertebrates uh, can go after these birds, for example, as well. And yeah, the, the larval life stage for fish, again, isn't easy. And there's a lot that goes on. And so in regards there, yeah, predators as a lake manager, for example, if you know, you know, you have a lot of fish in that lake, you're, you're trying to bolster up that that fish biomass you can you can add other things supplemental feed for example um just to get out of this critical period if you're really concerned about this single point in time yeah
Yeah. Shit I... said. <laughs> not of approval. audio listeners. I really hope we get like somebody that's just a diehard. <laughs> like, One person. I can't wait till the next episode. <laughs> First time caller, long time listener. Oh, yeah. We're going to try to, um, we will set that up too. It's, we would love to get people to ask questions and maybe even do a whole episode um interviews as well so matt and i are still talking about what this this podcast is going to look out and uh we figured we'd do the first couple of episodes like this and get the the bugs out because i'm sure there will be and um we'll go forward yeah (laughs) okay all right so that was lake managers let's move on to hatchery managers so why is this critical period important for for hatchery managers again um Hatchery managers, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different industries, but you know, you're raising fish, you're, you're growing them from a young age and specifically with hatchery, you're hatching out, you know, you're, you're spawning out those fish. And, um, when it comes to this critical period, especially for hatchery managers, you can think of this critical period and loss of fish, this low survival ship that might happen is it's, it's money out of your pocket. So every fish that survives, um, can be more money to you. You know, the, the spawning, the stripping, you only get so many fish per season, for example, especially if you're on a permit that you're taking out from a natural place. So you only get one shot in this situation. And um, that's why all this research is really with, with hatchery management in, in mind is because it's such a critical point. Um, <laughs> to use a critical point. Again, really hammering at home. I know, right? So there's some things you can do though and um, to, to get through this period as well. And it, it, just like lake management, you know, knowing knowing your fee, right? So knowing um, that your your larval fish is going to have enough to to live off of, and not only just to live off of, but to know that the amount of time spent for this larval fish is less than the amount of food that's bringing in. So they need more food brought in, right? A little math equation for you, and less less you know metabolic rate, less time searching is going to produce happy large fun fish that get out of this period um but in regards to hatchery management too when you think about this feeding there's also a fine line between when they should feed and when do they need to feed i guess i should say so these 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 young these fish larvae they're on their yolk sac you don't need to feed during that yolk sac period but you do when this transition you know you need to know by the hour for example or by the day you know when when you actually need to feed um because yeah feed's expensive right so when you need to feed when is that when is this point i need to start feeding and not any later because you're gonna go to the pool over the point of no return and you're gonna be like shoot i just you know zapped nuke the whole fish tank i think that's what they used to call it when i worked in uh. a, a fish culture type of area yeah you nuke a nuke a tank yeah. I mean, yeah. especially when that can happen, like you said, over the course of hours, like that could happen like two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, that's frustrating. Yeah, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so some some um, fish hatcheries, they have like uh, automated feeders now. And, oh, that um, makes sense. So, yeah. Right. But I mean, you still do not know when to load it up. Right. Yeah. And so it's like um, it's basically. Oh, how do you even describe it? It's a. You pull it back like those old toys that you know release a string that moves, you know. But it's like it's just a a flat belt, like a bench, a belt. You pull it back hmm. and you just lay feet on it. Just goes. Oh, just like a little conveyor feet, belt like, kind yeah, of thing. Okay. Conveyor belt, exactly like a conveyor belt. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, but so supplemental feed. So there was a study that looked at this, um, and. Yes, it, they, they, they did look at this. Okay, I'm looking a little bit ahead. I have notes, everyone. Sorry, I need notes. Right, breaking the fourth <laughs> wall. Way to go, Riley. I know. But um, so this one study, I don't think it was for freshwater fish, so I'm breaking that as well, even first episode. But uh, <laughs> it was the Obscure Puffer, which I parentheses, great name. Um, the Obscure Puffer is a great name. Um, <laughs> great band name, I, if, I, if I can say so myself. Obscure Puffer Fish, yep. So misunderstood. Um, but so researchers they provided first feeding so this time where they actually gave feed for the first time to larval fish they they varied it from two to eight days post-hatch and they looked at survivorship and fish larvae that were fed two to five days after hatching they had a pretty good survival rate about 75 percent, which is pretty good when you're thinking about all these fish excuse me all these eggs they're hatching larvae like that's 
75% survival rate when you have a life history like that. That's that's pretty good. So they're yeah. doing great. Oh, yeah. So that, it seems like the sweet spot when to add feed. Um, but so this is where it gets like, it's just a ledge, right? So drop off. This point of no return. Um, those that fed six days poached hatch had a 22% survival rate. Okay. So wow. it 75%, to less than 24 hours later, potentially, you have um, 22% survival rate. Wow. Um, seven days to eight days, so longest point of time, uh, virtually no survivalship. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Quick. Quick. Yeah, that's like and, that's um, that's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. So like with that <laughs> study, then now, you know, it's, it's sad to think about all those fish dying, but now the this researcher for whoever wants to raise obscure puffers know that that point of no return is about six seven days. Don't you don't don't waste any feed. Six seven days, start looking out, you know, and and start adding that that feed, and you'll you'll do pretty well. Six days though, those those individuals that were, were given feed on day six they didn't do well so 22 percent survival rate um, those that did survive that 22 percent that did survive um, they kind of looked at fish health and what they looked at for a couple weeks afterwards and they saw that those that were fed on on day six they survived but they were stunted and they weren't weren't necessarily oh really healthy. yeah so this potentially could have kind of extenuating the just critical period it goes farther than that that yeah this, wow if you're malnourished as a kid i guess yeah um that can have long-lasting effects and that's hmm. true for humans as well as fish yeah. and um such a short yeah. window though like you said that is wow i was not expecting that mm-hmm. i don't know part of me expected that oh that 22 percent that's left there's probably more more food for them they're you know they're 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 the strongest ones they're the ones that are going to survive and they're going to be they're going to be doing okay but nope yeah. that's a that wow that's a good point too the strong surviving because um i don't think something that i didn't bring up i don't think i brought up is with this critical period you know thinking about like why they need to go through this right but yeah. it's if you i i didn't read any of this this is me just spitballing but like you know it's it's a point where, yeah, the strong survive, and that could be that bottleneck showing that, hey, you made it this far. Like, yeah, you're, you're, nature's hard, everyone. Like, yeah, that's like, you're, 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 you're good. You're good to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, for example, if you think about hatchery fish that you, that, so some hatcheries, for everyone who don't, doesn't know, like, they, they either raise it for economics, you know, like, you can just fish grown in a tank and you sell it on the side of the road. Boom. There you go. That's one hatchery. On the other side, there's some state agencies, for example, that will state and federal agencies that will raise the fish up and they'll they'll stock areas. Okay. So <laughs> what got me thinking about with this critical period is that sometimes you go fishing and some of those hatchery releases they'll make a big deal about it and you can go to a trout stream, for example, and you fish and you'll just have a wild time. They'll just go after anything, blah blah blah. <laughs> And then you think of like there's some areas too where they don't they don't stock. There's natural reproducing areas, and that's that's the point, right? Is to have those natural reproducing areas. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting, especially for trout fishing. That there's these these some points where people actually have a point of pride where it's like, is this a hatchery fish or is this like a like a natural? There's a name. Oh uh, yeah, it's, it's that a makes sense. Me, but like, is this a natural fish because it's it's theoretically a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah, to say yeah, like, it's a, you know, it's not a dumb fish, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't hand fed its whole life. Stupid. Yeah, no, but then it's that gets me to bring bring it full circle back. It's like, yeah, those natural fish, more than likely, right? They went through this natural hmm. critical period. Um, the strong ones, they they learned quick and they 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 figured it out. Whereas the the hatchery fish, they were kind of, lack of a better word, spoon fed, and um, they didn't go through this this critical stage. So there's there's less fitness let's call it fitness right that's a better word than mm-hmm. dumb fish man <laughs> but um so they go through this critical point and they do better and people people take notice that there is there's a difference in some situations that hatchery fish are easier to catch than the natural fish hmm. yeah. i mean yeah makes sense i guess mm-hmm. i mean yeah so like is some, that sorry i'm not i'm not a trout fisherman i've never trout fished in my life yet um hopefully i can one day um so is that where there's a little power bait that look like they legit it looks just like a little nugget of 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 fish food yeah that that's really that's like that's that's kind of who who that's targeting just stocked fish essentially yeah so yes in some situations uh they 
yeah, you feed fish like that, and it it mimics what they've fed. Others, it's mm. it's to mimic the eggs too. Like, uh, like yeah, eggs. That, that makes that makes total sense. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why I didn't think of that. Yeah, that makes sense. But no, I mean, like, don't I? I know. I don't say I personally know, but yeah, to to go where these, like, they, some people fish with corn, like little pellet looking things. You oh, know what I'm saying? Huh. right? Yeah. Or maybe yeah, they just yeah. like corn. I never got that. But um, <laughs> just like corn. Yeah, definitely. I've I've heard. Not, don't know. I've heard of people where they would you know target hatchery release fish. I'm yeah. sure when I was younger, I did it too. But not. I didn't. <laughs> you're you're part of the problem, Riley. Way to go. I mean, it's wild, right? Like, there's a reason why. Like they they like um, uh, <laughs> I remember in like Minnesota, they had like these. We didn't trout fish too much when I was younger. I I learned, picked mm -hmm. it up more in college. But like, yeah, so there was a stocked couple trout ponds. I remember once we went there and it was after they stocked and yeah, they they were, you know, at the, they're just doing non trout things like, like circling, you know, at the surface and like every time. So in a, in a hatchery or a fish culture, you know, there's, they respond when you feed, like they're like, Oh, they, and Matt, I guess, yeah, we've, we've, so one of our projects, we raised catfish, Matt and I did. And oh, we yeah. gave them it? the supplement. Like they, they knew. Yeah once something hit the surface of the water um and i guess that could be the same for bugs but in this case giving that supplemental yeah. feed looks like um cocoa puffs for example yeah right yeah well and even like, beyond uh, that some of them like some ponds depending on so if you were on the kind of the more rocky side of that berm and that that cart we use really jiggled so they would respond to just hearing that cart come by yeah so yeah like a cat yeah cat. <laughs> honestly that's yeah how, that's why they call it catfish like, <laughs> <laughs> too much too much but um yeah but okay so let's um i'm gonna so that's all i had to talk about i'm gonna do a little conclusion though just a little wrap up yeah hopefully like to, to take some key take home points for the the two people listening and um so critical period point in return that's what we talked about critical period you think of it like as a week that life stage where the yolk sack they're done with that they're they're starting to feed on things in the in the water column okay um it's a balance between that energy reserves and having to go get more food. You're, you're really at this. You don't have a lot of wiggle room to, to do it. You have to go, you know, hunt, for example, um, and, and build up that energy reserves until they become an adult and there's a little bit easier. And some fish have this little predeposition to um, genetic traits to, to, to help their, their young along to, to do better. But better or not you got to go through this situation this window there's that point if you if you don't do well too many missed strikes for example too much time avoiding predators for example something i didn't mention as well and um yeah that's point of no return you're not able to sustain yourself as a young fish and you you, you pass away um so i'd have ending here that sometimes it's good to be a person and not a fish because we don't have to go through this <laughs> way um, to put it so succinctly dr yep, riley and I, I, I even there had a go. little smiley face <laughs> for myself <laughs> but uh yeah so there you have it nice what do you think matt i i think it's a solid start um where can they go okay. if they want to learn more about this riley yes our, our outro. one our We're one listener on it yeah yes two i like two okay <laughs> like i like to think of like organic reach where it's like you heard about this like this <laughs> billy they're talking about it for once <laughs> hey you know these guys aren't complete idiots someone else should listen to these guys every tuesday man light of my life um yeah <laughs> outro where do they go yeah so you can find us at um, fishwaterandtravel.com that's a website that we have articles related to stuff you're hearing about right now and we'll also have a spot where these podcasts will be housed you can find these podcasts um, wherever podcasts are found, I'm assuming. And uh, we'll work on that at least. This will be after the first one. And and yeah, so if, again, if you're interested, fishwaterandtravel.com. We have articles, videos, and we'll be building this up as well. Yeah. And I, if I'm not mistaken, on the bottom of all of our articles, you can comment. So if you find the corresponding article to yes. this podcast, feel free to comment any positive hopefully not negative feedback or just anything interesting if you work in a hatchery or something like that and you have anything to provide please do so we'll be happy and to talk we, about it if we got anything wrong oh yeah know. please correct yeah. us yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're more than open to constructive criticism and constructive feedback i can't wait till we get that first email where i go huh <laughs>
it's probably something pretty similar to peer review if i you know yeah. where you're just like well you're not wrong but it still doesn't it's still still not nice yep yep but um <laughs> yeah anything uh anything fun this week man anything fun you're doing uh, in completely unrelated water news, um, I have some engagement photos I'm taking on Thursday with my That's fiance. Getting married, and I. everyone. Getting married next October if we're gonna date this, <laughs> October 2023. We probably when should the big date day is this. happening. I mean, I guess our stuff likely won't have a lot of dated relatedness, but I mean, there could be some current events. We're we're still folks. We're still deciding what we'll be talking about. I'm I'm up to anything, anything freshwater related. Yeah um let's do it so for sure we'll try to get yeah. some experts on there people who also know way more than us about any of these particular and if you're an expert mm -hmm. and want to put us in our place and come on the podcast please feel free to uh mm -hmm. to reach out yeah like hey Riley, i wrote a book about this and uh <laughs> critical period you're wrong <laughs> like remember that guy you didn't remember his name that was me <laughs> that was me <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah man that's fun. Good yeah. Thing, man. Yep. Thanks, man. Um, let's see what else. That's pretty much it. You know, just trying to make sure the lab doesn't burn down. Yeah. What about what about what about you? What you got going on? Fishing, a lot of fishing. Uh, my so, wife and I we so moved jealous. to a new area, and um, so we're on the shores of Lake Superior. And gosh, we went to like a this weekend. We went to like where the mouth of one of these big rivers, the the Brule River. It's like um, so up here there's. I do. I'm not the best fisherman, everyone. Um, again, <laughs> no. Don't but, tell uh, them that. You're the. You are the best. <laughs> I'm. I just. It's fun. I'm learning. I'm. I'm trying to relearn how to fly fish or do better too. So, but like, so the the in the fall up here, there's there's runs actually. So I've I've never been oh. to a place where there's runs, and we're we're trying hmm. to figure out where these runs are going to happen. And like, so people are like the the Brule River. That's that's where you go. But it's like also like these this is some remote places so it's like we got to figure out actually how to get there and like we you have to hike in but um yeah we went to the mouth of the brule river um where it meets lake superior and i don't know there's just was no wind like bright day and he's like looking out over lake superior just crazy you, you couldn't tell where like the the sky and like the sky and the water met <laughs> and you're just like where am i <laughs> And it was just this big boat that's ruining it, like, and like, geez, geez. But um, yeah. So I think it'll be a little more of that, a little more fishing. Okay. Um, Very jealous. So was that a pike or a or a muskie you guys caught a couple weeks ago? That my wife had. Yeah, almost yeah. had. Yeah, the one that. Oh, the one that she dropped. So literally, we've had this fun little um, goal of making fish tacos, right? And um, <laughs> we. We want to catch a northern to do it. And okay, northern. So yeah, so that was the northern pike in that video, and um, just got lost. We don't have a big enough net, so my fault. But so I caught it. My wife tried to pick it up. I think she's over there, and um, <laughs> <laughs> she she missed it. This was my fault though. Right, you don't you don't have to say that. You 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 can blame it on her. It's fine. She's listening. <laughs> but yeah. Um. Yeah. Other than that, man, not much. Okay. Well, okay. well yeah, I'll see you next time, man. All and right. to our two listeners, we'll see you guys later. Thanks, both of y'all, for listening. <laughs> okay.